What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith. I'm Mike Slater. Thanks for being here. If you're new to the podcast, here's the quick 20-second uh, reason why we're here, uh, a lot of anxiety in the news. You watch the news, you listen to the news, you pay attention to the news. Like a good citizen, you get full of anxiety, and this is not good for you. So uh, we share the story of the day, explain it, lament it, lament the brokenness in it, then give some historical perspective and biblical truth that hopefully will make that anxiety go away. That's what we're doing here. So let's get right to it. The story of the day. The Respect for Marriage Act passed the Senate and just passed the House. What is going on here? There are three dates that we need to know. First, 1996. That is when the U.S. Congress passed the Defense of Marriage Act. So the Respect for Marriage Act just passed. But in 96, we passed the Defense of Marriage. It was signed by Bill Clinton. Passed the Senate 85 to 14. This bill, back in the bigoted era of 1996, defined marriage as something that can only be done between a man and a woman. Something that every human being has believed to be true for all time everywhere. 1996. Fast forward to 2015. Obergefell. Obergefell. This was the Supreme Court case. 5 to 4. That said... Because of the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause, every state must recognize a gay marriage that was performed in a state where it's legal, even if it's illegal in your state. Okay, so if, uh, if Adam and Steve get married in Massachusetts and then they move to Tennessee, Tennessee has to recognize that marriage. Even though Tennessee doesn't have same-sex marriage, they have to recognize the marriage that happened in Massachusetts because of the 14th Amendment. Okay, Supreme Court 5 to 4. It's 2015. Fast forward to recently, the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Roe was based off this made-up right to privacy in the 14th Amendment. So Clarence Thomas, in his decision, said, hey, you know, maybe we should take a look at the other cases that have been decided off the 14th Amendment. And the gay lobby freaked out. Because they heard that as, oh, that means Clarence Thomas and the new conservative Supreme Court wants to get rid of Obergefell, the pro-gay marriage Supreme Court case. So they said, we have to codify Obergefell into law. And that is the Respect for Marriage Act. So again, it says every state 
even if gay marriage is not a thing there, must recognize the gay marriage that was performed in another state where it is allowed. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, it's not a big deal because that's just what Obergefell said. Yeah, but if the new Supreme Court gets rid of Obergefell, it, it doesn't matter anymore because no, now it's codified into law. If they didn't pass the Respect for Marriage Act and the Supreme Court got rid of Obergefell, then uh, get, there'd be no more gay marriage or it, they, you, it wouldn't be recognized in other states where it's illegal would be more accurate. So it can make sense. So nothing's changing. It's just more of a defensive move, a, a, preventative, a preventive move in case the Supreme Court uh, removes Obergefell. So that's the Respect for Marriage Act. Now, uh, one thing that must be noted is the Senate passed this Respect for Marriage Act, 61 to 36. 12 Republicans voted for it. It passed in the House with 39 Republicans voting for it. 1996 was the Defense of Marriage Act. 26 years ago, only 26 short years ago, it was a total no-brainer. Of course, yeah, 85 to 14. Of course, the marriage is a man and a woman. 26 years later, and you're a bigot. Prop 8 in California asked the people of California if marriage is a union between a man and a woman. And 52% of Californians in 2008 said marriage is between a man and a woman. 52%. Only 14 years later. And you are the worst person on the planet for thinking what everyone else has thought for all of time. Marriage is between a man and a woman. What in the world? So I was on Jesse Kelly's TV show on the first TV the other day talking about this. And he said, why so fast? Well, that's part of the brokenness of what's happening here. That's part of what's really going on. Part of it, of course, is just that things move faster now in our modern culture. But the bigger reason is God is giving us over to our sin. I don't think there's any question of that. So it's Romans 1, 24. Therefore, God gave them over to the sin, gave them over. That's gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. When God's wrath is given to a people, when God abandons a culture, the first thing you see is a sexual revolution. People sink into lusts and impurity and dishonoring of their bodies. That's first, when a nation is under judgment. Uh, verse 26, uh, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. What's this? Uh, abandoning God. God gave them over then. Uh, even, with, even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust with one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So first, the sexual revolution, then the homosexual revolution. Uh, that's where we are now, clearly. And then next is pedophilia. Let's lament <laughs> for a minute. So I feel I can't really end on the pedophilia line they're not going to stop here. The activists are not going to stop here. It's never enough. They're going to go after the church. They're going after the church. The LGBTQIA plus people are upset at this respect 
for Marriage Act. They say it's not enough. It's not enough. Why? Because the Respect for Marriage Act exempts religious organizations from the bill. So a church can still refuse to host or officiate a same-sex marriage. And again, the gay activists are upset at this. They say, this is uh, this is not good. This is not enough. This is inappropriate. How can we still in America in 2022 have a church that can refuse to host or officiate a same-sex marriage? I assure you that a gay couple, just like they went to a Christian baker and just like they went to a Christian website designer, will go to a Christian church and a real Christian church, not the Episcopal Church or the United Church of Christ or the Mormons who now support gay marriage, right? But a gay couple will go to a real Bible-believing church and demand that the pastor there officiate their gay wedding. And if he refuses, they will destroy that church until the church caves. And they will do this at churches across the entire country. And many, many churches will cave. And they're going to use the same, oh, you're not tolerant. What would Jesus do? Jesus would be tolerant and loving. Love is love. Love wins. All that stuff. And many, if not most, churches will cave. They're going to uh, also go after the tax-exempt status of churches. All right. To the progressive, sex is political. Sex is a political thing. So if you are a church that preaches that homosexuality is a sin, then you, by their definition, are engaged in political speech. And because of that, you must lose your tax-exempt status. They tried this in Houston in 2015. Anise Parker is the first gay mayor of Houston. She subpoenaed all the churches of Houston, all the sermons at churches dealing with homosexuality or gender identity. Of course, to intimidate, first of all, but also uh, to try to take away their tax-exempt status. Be like, oh, look, you're preaching about a political thing. Therefore, you lose your 501c, whatever it is, as a church. Now, there was enough backlash, so she stopped, pulled back on that. But she was just a little bit ahead of her time is all. It's coming. It's coming. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Based on why, why is it coming, Slater? I don't... All right, here's the deal. Marxists believe that everything is a battle between the oppressors and the oppressed. That's it. That is how you define the entirety of human existence and our present world today. It's the battle between the oppressed and the oppressors. So you have the oppressors. Those are men, white people, straight people, able-bodied people, cisgendered, meaning not transgendered people. Those are all the oppressors against women, people of color, transgender people, gay people, disabled people. Oppressors, Versus the oppressed. But the biggest oppressor of all are the Christians. Because the Christians are against everything that the progressives are doing. Everything. You, you, you've heard of white privilege. Get ready for Christian privilege. Because that's the main source of the oppression. You've heard that slavery is our nation's original sin, they'll say, like the 1619 Project. 
No, no. What they really mean is that Christianity is our original sin. And if Christianity is the oppressor and social justice is about alleviating the oppression, then social justice has to be opposed to what? Christianity. What they say is the major means of oppression. So they're going to go after churches. They're going to go after Christianity. They're going after the family. I've heard my whole life, but it's not true that we are a uh, nation of individuals. It's not true. We are a nation based on the family. Undermine the family, we're done. Because the family is uh, a, a force of power against the government. Came across this quote the other day from Peter Hitchens. I was going to read it myself, but he's got a better accent. And I'd like to take as my text... Uh, some words by D.H. Lawrence, who most of you will probably think of as the author of Lady Chatterley's Lover and the Apostle of Sexual Liberation. Nonetheless, this is what he wrote in his essay, Apropos Lady Chatterley's Lover. It is marriage, perhaps, which has given man the best of his freedom, given him his little kingdom of his own within the big kingdom of the state, given him his foothold of independence on which to stand and resist an unjust state. Man and wife, a king and queen, with one or two subjects and a few square yards of territory of their own. This really is marriage. It is a true freedom because it is a true fulfillment for man, woman, and children. And he then warned, make marriage in any serious degree unstable, dissoluble, destroy the permanency of marriage, and the church falls. Witness the enormous decline of the Church of England, the reason being that the church is established upon the element of union in mankind. Break it. Break it and you will have to go back to the overwhelming dominance of the state, which existed before the Christian era. The Roman state was all-powerful. How much do Marxists hate marriage and hate the family? They'll do anything to destroy marriage and the family, including change the calendar. Stalin, in the Soviet Union, 1929, he eliminated the seven-day week and instituted a five-day week. He got rid of Saturday and Sunday. No more weekends. So he assigned every worker a color. Five colors. One of five colors. And everyone of that color had a day off per week. So he had one day off out of the five. This split up friends because everyone was off on different times, different days. So everyone had their day off a different day. Uh, so people in the, let's say, purple group could only be friends with other people in the purple group. They also split up husband and wives. So the husband may be in the purple group and the wife is in the blue group. And the, the husband has the Monday off and the wife has the Wednesday off. And you say, well, Slater, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. Yes. <laughs> and that was the point of the system. The party so badly wanted to undermine the family that they eliminated weekends. E.G. Richards He's the author of Mapping Time, it's the history of the calendar. He said, Lenin's widow, in good Marxist fashion, regarded Sunday family reunions as a good enough reason to abolish that day. They so hated the idea of families gathering together on Sundays, let alone church, that they wanted to abolish the day. Let's eliminate Sundays. And they did. Now, workers obviously were very upset. Here's one of them complaining. What are we to do at home if the wife is in the factory, the children in school, 
and no one can come to see us because they're all their friends are off in other days. What is left but to go to the public tea room? What kind of life is that? When holidays come in shifts and not for all workers together. That's no holiday if you have to celebrate by yourself. That was the point. That was the point. So you see how this is all an effort to undermine marriage, to undermine family, to undermine this nation, and to grow the power of the state. That's the goal of all of this. And the next step is a more outright and explicit persecution of Christians, which, which I say, great, bring it, bring it. Persecution separates the wheat from the chaff. Paul said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, you don't need to seek out persecution, but at a certain point, if you're not persecuted, it's worth taking a little bit of stock of how the world really views you. Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. People hate the truth. But if you stand for the truth, you will ultimately win. The theme of the last, you've heard me say it a few times already, and this is going to be my theme for the next year and hopefully the rest of my life, is who do you fear more, God or man? Who do you fear more, God or man? Persecution brings you closer to God, brings you closer to other true believers. So I say, bring it. I hope I earn it. I'll tell you the story of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah, called by God to be a prophet to Israel and to the nations, Jeremiah 1.10, See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow. Wow. But also to build and to plant. Mm. So there's some hope. There's hope. Similar to the format of this podcast, we, we lament and then build up and plant. So with God speaking through Jeremiah, there's judgment and hope. So his job, uh, Jeremiah's, was to tell the Israelites that they have broken God's covenant. Your leaders are corrupt and God's judgment is coming. Jeremiah 19, because they have filled this place with the blood of innocence and have built the high places of Baal, 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 like devil, to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal. So that's child sacrifice right there. So uh, he said, hey, knock it off, everyone. And no one listened. And Babylon came and took them over. That was God's wrath upon them. So what happened to Jeremiah? Well, he was persecuted. He was persecuted when he was warning his people. And then he was persecuted again by the Babylonians. Chapter 26, he's warning the Israelites. Verse 7, when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him and said, well, thank you so much for telling us the truth. Great to hear. No, the people laid hold of him and said, you shall die. We're going to kill you. He was beaten and his life put in a straitjacket, thrown in jail. He was thrown into a cistern. It's like a well, basically, and sank into the mud to die. Stayed there until he was ultimately rescued. The point is Jeremiah suffered. And he didn't love it. He struggled with God. Read chapter 20. Man, if you, you're, if you feel hopeless and you want to commiserate with someone, go read Jeremiah chapter 20. If you ever feel in your life like you're in the bottom of a mud-filled pit and you're sinking deeper and deeper, 
Jeremiah chapter 20. But in the end, Jeremiah said that the law of God will no longer need to be written on tablets, but I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. That's good. There's hope. God will not abandon his people. So Babylon took over the Israelites and then God later condemned the Babylonians. And where are they today? Nowhere to be seen. So what do we do with this later? Well, what's in your control? One of the all-time great lines in the Bible is Daniel 6. After they tricked the king into saying you can't pray to God, it says in Daniel 6, three times a day, he, Daniel, got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. That's the key. Just remember those words. Just as he had done before. No matter what is going on around you, do just as you have done before. Imagine being a Christian in a, a country where it's truly, truly, deeply persecution, like, like China, a Christian in China, these underground churches where it's illegal to have a Bible. Chinese officials will arrest you, interrogate you, torture you, force you to renounce your faith and out any other Christian who you know. And people still meet in each other's homes. People around the world, they have to remember scripture. They have to put it to memory because they can't be seen with a Bible. Meanwhile, we in America, we have Bibles everywhere, but no one memorizes scripture. Christians sent to prison camps, tortured, worked to death. But this is the trajectory of history always. There's no reason why it wouldn't happen here. It's a very simple formula. Small God, big government. Big God, small government. That's it. And atheists don't want a small government. Therefore, they don't want a big God. So how do you get a big government? You make God small or eliminate him entirely. So what are we to do? What are we, what's in my control? This section of the podcast is called What's in My Control? What are you to do? Just as you have done before. No matter what. All right. Final thought. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. First Peter, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> That's it, right? People are like, oh no, persecution, what? And at first Peter, like, no, like, don't act like something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. I should probably stop there. We're at the 21-minute mark. Ah, I got to share one more thing. 
would have been a good place to end, but I can't. People are prideful. They want to do what they want to do. No one wants to be told what to do, especially in America. So people think they want to be free. But what they don't realize is that you're a slave to something or someone. Most people are slaves to their sexual appetites, their sexual desires. Become so all-encompassing and controlling that people identify themselves merely by their sexual desires. I am gay. It's me in every way. I'm not just an action or behavior. It's my identity. This gay lobby has convinced people that, that you can be gay before you even engage in a homosexual behavior. You can be like 10 years old and gay. It's who you are. Well, you're a slave to that then. So people are like, oh, I don't want religion. I don't want God because now uh, I'll be controlled. <laughs> and it's true. Like you, you do have to make yourself a slave to Christ. Paul calls himself a doulos. It means slave for Christ. He introduces himself like that in his letters. I'm a slave to Christ. It's often translated servant, but it means slave. But don't worry. That's good. Got to be a slave to someone. And something Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's who you want to be a slave to. The scripture I love lately, you know, people on the left say, uh, love is love. Love is love. Now, God is love. And who is this God? Who is this God? And what does he require of you? And here's the scripture, 1 John. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. You love God, you keep his commands. Oh, I don't want to keep commands. Yeah, but don't worry. The next line, his commands are not burdensome because everyone born of God overcomes the world. And that's what we need to do now. We need to overcome the world. So rest easy. His commands are not burdensome. There you go. What's a better ending? Is that a better? Pick your ending, whatever you want. Thanks for being here. Politics by faith grateful for you listening to the whole thing you can leave a five-star review that'd be fantastic uh and a little comment a little sentence oh that's great what and that helps with the algorithm we still got to get to a thousand comments and once we hit a thousand comments then uh we break through that algorithm and slater radio at gmail.com is my email people like is it who responds to the email? me it's my personal politics by faith Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.